you. Oh, yeah. And I'm like super nervous this morning. So I'm asking the Lord to just be my peace. Um, as I started preparing the word for you, I'm going to prepare your heart in this moment. Like I, I normally do. As I started preparing the word, I was thinking about... Actually, I came across a uh, thing on Facebook, and it was talking about Zacchaeus, and that it basically said this point, that before Zacchaeus needed the tree to climb in, that God had had the, the tree planted. And I thought about you this morning, and that the light of that, that he's prepared you for this moment, for you to be looking for the word. It says that Jesus is the word. And so that you might encounter him. And, and guess what? This morning, you don't have to climb it in a sycamore tree. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad about that? For all those that raised their hands and said they did not want a zip line. That's climbing in trees. So the, it's, a good, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord because you got a nice chair to sit on. And I was thinking about that. And from that point, I went to like a tree search and I came across the tree... Um, the story in um, the New Testament about the fig tree. And I was actually really stirred by Pastor Ruth's message about prayer. And I love praying, but I love the thought of like that boundaryless prayer that like God saying, hey, you could have more. You could go after something more in prayer when Hezekiah went after more. Like, okay, I know what God said, but now I, want mo- I actually want more life. And so he actually went after more. And I, I was like stirred by that thought like a lot through it. And then as I read through this story, because I went from, I was thinking about, okay, what about the trees in the Bible that Zacchaeus climbed? Is there another one that I could take reference from and we could use this as, you know, the message? And I thought about Noah and all the trees he needed. And then I came to this fig tree story, and then at the end of it, it actually makes reference to prayer. And God brought me right back to that place of prayer. And so this morning, this, the, um, the actual message uh, title is All Leaf and No Fruit. So I want to pray that your hearts would be open to the word this morning. Holy Spirit, might you do a work that we've never seen before in this house. Might you speak to areas of our lives that that you've never shown yourself in before. Might you bring revelation to your word that makes us stand in awe. Might you cause something dramatic and drastic and life-transforming to happen in this building, in this hour, where when we walk out, we'll never be the same. God, we are asking for salvation in the house this morning. God, we are asking for miracles in the house this morning. We're asking, God, that you would do something you've never done in the midst of us. The things that we can't even think or comprehend. Those things, God, we're asking that you would show yourself strong and bring your glory this morning. God, we want more of you than we ever have before. God, I'm asking that you would stir the hunger of the people this morning. It says that the... that. 
those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. So God, I'm asking that the hunger inside of us would, would just go to the, to the extreme this morning. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to, you to think about the earth, the, the laws, the limits, the boundaries, the time. It's all like there's laws in the earth, right? Anybody can think of one? Gravity. Somebody said gravity. That's a, that's a powerful one. I actually came here because I was going to use that one, and I tried to walk off the stage, like just walk, and I realized, like, yeah, that's not such a good idea. <laughs> I tried it like two or three times because I was thinking, maybe I could do this where, you know, you can see the picture of gravity. Y'all know what gravity is, right? I don't have to give you the picture. Because that's just not pleasant to my knees to just walk off the stage. It's pretty high. But in the sense of gravity, in the sense of the law of gravity, those are natural things that we encounter on a daily, right? Like, you just encounter those kinds of things. And so, but in 1899... There was some brothers, the Wright brothers, that decided, yes, I understand the law of gravity, I understand things, but I'm going to press beyond it. And so at, at that point, they started writing plans and making a vision towards a plane. Like, what is it going to look like to see something fly in the air that shouldn't be allowed to, that would break that um, law of gravity, basically. And they hadn't had that yet. They hadn't seen that yet. And so they started going after it. And, and anybody know how long it took them? Nope. Anybody know? This is education 101. I'm a teacher by day. No. 1903, four years. It took them four years from that initial, like, let's write the plan and let's think about this to their effort and failure and effort and failure and trial and error and trial and error and failure and failure and failure some more until that one time it actually took off. And they went against the laws of the earth and decided that they were going to do something that no one else had ever done. And I want to ask you this morning, what are your laws and limits or your rules and your time frame based on your faith? On your prayer life? Have you ever been willing to go four years after something to see the fruit of it? How quickly have you given up? Or how quickly do you put the boundaries and say, well, if it goes up, it comes down. All right, it won't work. How quickly do we respond in prayer that way? Or we just throw things out and be like, yeah, I don't know if it'll ever happen. Those are natural things on the earth. And, and I want to push you into the spiritual, the, the place of the spirit this morning and ask you about your faith. And your faith and the boundaries that you put on your faith. And I can believe that God will save me, but I can't believe that God would do this. Or I haven't seen God do this, so I can't believe for God to do that. Where are those boundaries? Like, if you really think about them, where, where do you con constrain God with your faith? So I want to read you in Matthew, if you open your Bible or click on your phone. Matthew uh, chapter 21.
I'm going to read you verse 18 through 22. Because this is where the story takes place that I want to make reference to. And it said, in the morning, he was returning and he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. And God is taking you to a new level in your prayer life. We're the boundaries that we can create in our own place. God wants to break through them in your life. He wants to bust through that and say, hey, look, I have impossibilities for you. And if you pray and believe, then it can be possible. It's about having a conversation with God. It's about your focus not being on what happens, but on your faith. And I think many times we have the object of our prayer be our focus versus the, uh, the, the fact that our focus needs to be faith. Where is your faith in the midst of it? So is your conversation with God pushing the boundaries of faith? Is it going to the impossible? Does it seem crazy yet? Have you gotten into that space in your prayer life where you're like, I'm not really sure if that's even possible. I thought about that this morning as I prayed. I want to pray a prayer over you that takes you beyond what's possible. That God would take you into a new level with him. In Hebrews 10, oh wait. So Jesus in Mark eleven twenty four, I think it's up there. The same story is repeated from Mark into Matthew. And at the the first thing that Mark says, I mean that Jesus says to them, it says, "Have faith in God." And I was thinking that that means you can't have faith in your own abilities. That you can't put your faith in your righteousness. That when you pray, you can't put your faith in your resources. And you can't put your faith in anything that's you. It has to be all of him to put your faith in God. And then he calls us in Hebrews 10.38. He says, my righteous ones, that's you, that they shall live by faith. I love that he asked us to live by faith. It's beautiful. I was thinking about it like what it takes for a plant to live, like water and sunlight and things, that maybe you living is faith. That's your requirement to have a life is faith. That we have to have faith to live our lives out. And as Pastor Ruth touched on that last week about praying and getting into the more, I was thinking about Jesus wanting your life to be so fruitful. I 
I read a quote from Bill Johnson, and this is how fruitful God wants you to be. It says, he said that God has the right to expect the fruit of the impossible from those he created for the impossible. Does your life have fruit in the impossible? He's created you to live in the impossible. It says, by faith, nothing is impossible for him who believes. So if he's called you to live by faith and he's made it possible, then he wants you to live in that realm of impossibilities that they're consistently fruitful in your life. I thought about this. It's like you actually can't accomplish your call without the impossible. So in Matthew 22, 21, 21, I'm going to read it to you again. It says, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken and thrown up into the sea, it will happen. Can you put the picture up there of the fig tree? When I thought about the the fig tree withering once I read through the passage, I kind of thought about the fig tree being like that size. That's pretty, like, that didn't happen, like, yeah, it just happened. (laughs) We bless you, tree. But it was like, oh, God, gave me a great illustration of a tree. My kids are like, that's not a fig tree, Mom. They'll know. I'm like, I know, okay. It's an apple tree. It got a little shock in the roots when I planted it, and this is what happened. I might be able to recover it. We'll see. But I brought it here today because I want you to think about the fig tree. But I was thinking that the one up there is maybe what the tree looked like when it withered. All the way to the roots. What that site would have looked like. This is puny and, oh, well, whatever. That withering all the way to the roots. See, when Jesus came to that tree, it was leafy. And he intended and, and thought that tree should have fruit on it. And the thing is, is with Jesus, he can expect the impossible out of things because that's what he believes for the impossible. So even if that tree wasn't meant to bear fruit, it should bear fruit because he could, he could say to that tree, bid to bear fruit and it should bear fruit. And like you, those places that maybe you think this isn't the right season and, the, and this and that, that's a limit based on the earth, not a limit based on the scripture. And you have to start saying to the fruit and the, the, the tree that, that you are, like I will bear fruit in season and out of season. And I need to, I need to live like that on a daily on a daily. Like, it's not like, oh, this is a great season, and God's, uh, no, every season, in season and out of season. You're called to the impossible. And he just showed you. If you were standing there like his disciples, he showed you, he's like, look, that's not such a big deal. That tree withering, that's not such a big deal, because your faith is more powerful than that. Can you show the picture of the mountain? We were just in the mountains, so this is one of my pictures. Um, Is it bigger up there? Okay, cool. Can you show the other one too? Because that one is like sideways. Oh, there was only one? Oh, bummer. Okay. 
you want to see that picture, I can show it to you at the end. But the mountain. So I stopped. We were in the mountains. And because, you know, like Geneva doesn't have mountains like that or anything near like that, I was like mesmerized by the beauty of them. And I thought about my kids and I thought about like their faith and I was reading the Bible and before we left where this was, I stopped the car all quick like and I was like, guys, and they're like, mom, what are you doing and where are we? Because <laughs> it was like randomly on the side of the street. I'm like, guys, look at the mountain. And they're like, we've seen it. We've been here for a couple days. I'm like, now what do you think about that mountain? Tell me some adjectives to describe this mountain. Tell me what it looks like to you. And they're like, do we have to do this? <laughs> I'm like, come on! I'm like, it's majestic. Come on, think about it. What do you think this mountain looks like? Give me your adjectives. How big is it? Like, what, if you took a dump truck, how long would it take you to get rid of it? Like, think about it. Like, how massive this mountain is. Like, it's giant. And God says that if by faith you could tell this mountain to move into the sea, and it would do it. It'd have to obey at your command. And I'm telling you, you possess a faith inside of you through the Holy Spirit to move a mountain that is impossible to move by man. Because God in you makes things that are impossible made possible. And when you look at it, you got to say, whoa, that's kind of crazy, because I said maybe we could move this mountain to Lake Geneva. I am mean, just saying, like, that would kind of rock the whole framework of our area but I was saying it's possible and I'm speaking to your faith this morning that it needs to be quickened it needs to be activated this morning you can have faith and it can sit in you but it why why have it just sit there when God's saying you know what I could do this and this and this through my people and they just have to pray you don't even have to lift a finger he just said to pray and believe and to speak and I just think there's power that you have, that this, this body of Christ has, that we need to step into. We, we can't be like, oh God, well, you know, just whatever, you know, like all these like baby prayers. Like you are a mature believer and you need to pray with the authority that God put in you. And there is something about it that is significant this morning, I believe. I'm speaking to those places in your life that need fruit. This earth, and, the, and there's, there's, a, there's, there's a need of the fruit your life is supposed to bear. In Romans 12.3, because you can say a lot of different things about faith, but in, in Romans 12.3 it says that you've been given a measure of faith, and, and the Bible says that all you need is a mustard seed size. So I would like a whole in my heart but all I really need is a mustard seed so you have ample you possess enough you might need to tell yourself I have enough faith to live and walk and do the things God's asking me to do maybe you need to remind your spirit I possess faith I carry faith I have faith I live by faith we can live in our natural all the time. We get so acclimated to our natural. We become accustomed to the law, like walking off the stage and falling. Like that's, uh, you know, we get so used to it. And God's saying, I don't want you to get so used to the earth when I'm asking you to be a part of the kingdom. I want you to live kingdom minded. I want you to think kingdom. I want you to live and breathe and do all the things that are kingdom. And that's what Jesus was doing when he came across the fig tree and walked by. He wanted to get fruit from it and he's like, 
I curse you, tree. Don't hear me. <laughs> I kind of wanted it to live. <laughs> That's okay. Because he expected something out of it. And God is expecting that fruit out of your life. Is he coming to you and and seeing this leafy looking tree and there's nothing in it? Have you challenged your fruit and said, do I actually bear fruit? Is there fruit in me? Am I being fruitful? Are you just a bunch of leafy trees? I know for me, I really know for me, that if I planted a tree that I wanted it to bear fruit, like an avocado tree, and I really wanted it to have avocados on it, and if it didn't bear avocados, I'd start getting frustrated. Like, I'd expect it to have avocados. And God is expecting that from your life. He wants you to bear fruit. The very first command in the Bible. Anybody know it? That was the very first thing that he said to us as a people, to be fruitful and multiply. See, I want to be fruitful in every season. And so maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I'm doing things, but I'm going to push you for more. I want you to be in pursuit of more. And so I have some examples of people in the Bible, and the reason is, is the effect some people are like, well, I don't want to pray for more because it sounds selfish, you know, or whatever. And you get real thinking about yourself. And I want you to think about the effect that you could have on this generation. The effect you could have on Warwick County. The effect you could have in Germany and in the world and in your neighborhood. And the effect you could have on your family. And so these people that went after more in prayer and in conversation. Abraham was walking with the Lord And the Lord asked him about Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, what would you do? He's like, well, if there was 50 righteous, and he went all the way down to five. And God turned. And that city, the righteous in that city, they were changed. And then Moses, he was up on the mountain, and he, you know, he got, there's a lot of, Amazing things that Moses got to see in his life with, with God. Burning bush and all the things. I mean, like all the things. And he's up on the, on the mountain. And he said, but I want to see your face. And God's like, well, I can't, I can't show you my face. But I know what I could do. I could like cover you in the nook of the rock. And I could walk and you could see the back of me. Like, how cool is that? Like, crazy amazing. Like, he went after more. Something like he could have been like, yeah, I'm okay with what it is. But he's like, no, I want more. And so that's personal. Like, the effect of you going after more personally in your relationship with God. And then if you go into Numbers 27, there was four daughters, and they were underneath the law. And Moses was in charge of the law. And there was a man that had died, and he had four daughters, and he had no sons. And one of the girls' names was Hagla. Kind of crazy, huh? Aren't you glad you're not named that? <laughs> I would never, I mean, what do they call her for short? I don't know. And they were like, because we don't have a brother, we don't get our inheritance. 
And so the four of them went before Moses and said, look, we understand the law. We understand the, the rules. We understand what you're saying. But this is not fair. And we are asking that you would give us our inheritance because we don't want to lose our name. We don't want to lose the future of our family just because my dad didn't have any boys. And so Moses actually went before the Lord and prayed and the Lord actually said yes to them. They got their inheritance because they went after a boundary line. They crossed over and said, you know what, I'm, we're, we're not going to just settle for what is. And we get settled into what is and, and we just think, okay. And God's saying, well, I can do exceedingly abundantly above. That was for their future. And then you go to David, and he pushed the boundaries of worshiping. The law was different then about worship. And that was a relationship boundary that God allowed him to have a, a 24-7 worship and encountered the Father like we do. He got that before Jesus. He pulled something from the new covenant into the, that time. And uh, there are things in the, in the heavenlies that you can pull into your present day. There's kingdom things. All of, king, of heaven is at your access to pull into the earth. You have something you can take hold of. Are you just considering that? Are you going after something that, that shouldn't be and saying, but I think, I, I think as a child of God, I could have this because he, I'm God's child and I have the authority to pull it in. And then Esther, there was an edict, an unchangeable thing from the king. And through prayer and the people, the whole people were saved. They went after something that was more. She, should, she could have just said, okay, well, whatever, it is what it is. And I think sometimes we get like that, well, this is what it is. What is that in your life? What is that place in your life that you're saying, it is what it is, and God's saying, no, it isn't what it is, it's supposed to be fruitful. And you're, not, you're supposed to bear fruit in that place. And then there was the Shunammite daughter, or woman, that her daughter was sick. And this is interesting because she had conversation with Jesus in the land when Jesus was walking on the earth and her daughter was sick and she came to him pleading for him to heal her and he said, no, that's not for you. Because she was a Gentile and she wasn't a Jewish woman. And she goes, well, I get that. But even the dogs get the crumbs off the floor. I'm just saying... So why can't I have it if the dogs can have the crumbs? And God said, oh, I mean, Jesus said to her, okay, your daughter is healed. See, she went beyond when she could have stopped and said, I mean, I, honestly, if Jesus would have been like, no, I'd have been like, okay. <laughs> Sorry for bothering you. She was saying, no, I know I want the healing for my daughter, and I'm not going to hold back. And the thing is, is sometimes we got to get that fight inside of our gut to say, you know what, I want this. I want this more than I'm going to get the no, and if I get a no, I'm going to keep, and I'm going to keep, no, I really am going to go after it, because he said knock, and the door will be open. You have to actually, maybe you need to pound a little bit on your prayers. You need to go after it a little bit more. And I'm saying if you haven't had an answer in prayer, it doesn't mean it's not coming. And when you haven't had the answer you want, it doesn't mean God is not faithful and good. And I stand as a testimony of that because when I prayed and it didn't happen the way I wanted, I know God still is faithful. I know he can still come through. And even if, if it's different, my season of fruitfulness can still remain. 
And so you've got to step in. You have to step in. Even Jesus' mom, she was like, son, I know it's not your time, but we're going to have wine instead of water. So you've got to figure this out. And, and that happened. It happened. He's like, oh, and she's like, just do what he says to do. She wasn't going to give up in that moment. She was calling something that was in the future into her present. And there are things that are in your future that you need to say, I'm calling it into my present. God has given you access to impossibilities. What is impossible in your life? What is it that you said you can speak to that impossible thing and say, well, I know Jesus and he can. And he's able and, he's, and he can do more. And even Daniel, I thought about his life. And he, the king was like, I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And through prayer, God revealed it to him and his life and men's life were saved. That's like crazy beautiful. Like to think, I've never had somebody say, well, what did I dream last night? Most of the time when they tell me, I had a dream last night, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Are you going to tell me? Actually, I tell all the people. <laughs> Most of the time they're like, can you nutshell this dream? Do we really have to hear all the details? <laughs> Just saying. So then Jesus came to Mary when her brother was sick. And Jesus told her, he will rise. And in John eleven twenty three, she says this to him. Can you go to the next one? You probably can't, never mind. Nope, not that one. The next scripture, she says to her, I'm sorry, she says to him, she goes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last days. And that's not what Jesus was doing in that moment. He's like, I have that handled, but right now, he's going to be resurrected. And you're going to see the power of the resurrection in him. And she said to him, I know. And I thought about how many times when God says something to us, we say, I know. But he's like, but, that's, but it's bigger than that. It's not for a later date in the, in the church resurrection of all the body. It's for right now. Don't get you, I know, in the way of what God wants to do today. It's a partnership and a conversation with God. And so after Pastor Ruth was saying what she said about going after more, I thought about my life and the fruit in my life. And I thought about how God asked me to write and my conversation with God. And how, like, at the beginning, I was like, okay, and I was writing. And then I started, like, doubting and having unbelief and, and like, I don't know and all the things. And I was like, God, I don't even know why you asked me to do this. I'm not good at this. This is too hard. Like, why? Why? All the, the conversation with God was like that. And then I went away on a trip to write, and all of a sudden my conversation with God started shifting. And I started asking God, well, what could you do? What could you do through me? How many books could you write? Like that. Well, what could you do? And after Sunday, I started praying about my writing again. And I said, God, I want you to make a me a bestseller. 
I want you to write a bestseller through me. I, I was asking instead of questioning. What are you going to do? Instead of questioning him, I started saying, well, I want to see you do this. What are you asking God to do in the, in the places of your life that you are putting your hands to? Are you saying, God, I want you to, be, you to create in me the ability to be the president of this company that I'm currently working at? I want to be the next CEO, or I want, to, I want to see what you can do in this place in my life. I want to see you do this in my life. And said, oh, why, why did you even make me a parent? I mean, these children, you know. And God's like, no, God, I, I want to see my children raised and living for Jesus and calling them into their future and speaking life over my, char- my children as a parent. And all the things like that, making every place in my life the most fruitful thing for the kingdom of heaven. Where is it that your conversation with God needs to shift to another level? Saying, God, what is the impossible that you could do through me? And as, as he was saying that about Pakistan and that man reaching people for Jesus, I thought about that's fruit on someone's life. When's the last time you asked God to, to see 50 people come to Jesus through your life? When's the last time you asked him for a million Say, God, could a million people come to Jesus because I shared with them and I told them? When's the last time you asked for the impossible in your life that would, that would be like extremely outrageous and people would be like, whoa. He expects you. To bear fruit. Just like he did the fig tree. If Jesus came to you as a fig tree, is there fruit? The thing is, is when we come to it, the fruit in our lives is for harvest. It's harvest time. It's for us reaching people. What God wants to do in your life is about reaching people. Reaching more people for Jesus. Reaching even more people for Jesus. It's harvest time, people. The earth is, is white with harvest. There are people that need the truth and you're praying and you believing for them to come to Jesus. It isn't isn't a season where we can say, well, it's just not my season. It's not my season. Like, we can have that excuse, well, no, it's just not my season. You know, it's just not my season. I mean. And in Amos 9.13, this is a prophetic word. It says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed it is a continual harvest season that we're in this is the end times come on we have to get uh, we have to get excited that god wants to use us to be fruitful and and to see the growth in his kingdom through us it is a time that there is no no there's no space for you to be barren there is no space for you to be fruitless There's things in your life that you need to speak to this morning. And I'm speaking to you in those places of your life. And I'm saying, be fruitful. 
Be fruitful in it. Be fruitful in your life. The spirit of the living God is on you. It's Pentecost Sunday. He disqualified you from living ordinary. He disqualified you from living a mundane life, a boring life. He disqualified you from living a a life of fear. He qualified you to live a life of impossibilities. He set the stage for you and he did it all. And he's saying, just pray. Just ask me what I can do. It's a, a prayer that, that takes the limits off. And it's a prayer that says, I'm in absolute surrender of what you'll do, God. Are you willing to step into impossible places? Are you willing to step and risk it all? Are you willing to go after the impossible And even if it starts small, it's a good season. It's a good season to go after more. The spirit of the living God is on you and it says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, the earth, and that's in America. Those uttermost parts, that's us. Here to be his witnesses in our daily, to be daily fruitful. The earth has so many boundaries and limitations, but God does not have any. And he, he, he freely gives it to you that you might be fruitful in all the ways, in all the seasons, and uh, I think the picture of our grocery store speak of that because if back in the day before they transferred food, whatever was on the tree outside, you got to eat. But now you get to see it. He's given you a great picture when you go to the, the, the grocery store and you can have all the fruit from all the places and all the seasons because apples come at different times than oranges and, and melons come at different times than grapes, I think. Maybe maybe they come at the same time, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. And your fruit might look different because it might appeal to a different crowd. And see, the tree that God started me on at the beginning was Zacchaeus when he was a wee little man and he climbed up into that sycamore tree. That tree actually was a fig tree. It's a a kind of fig tree. And I thought how cool that was. That the fig tree that he got right up under and he looked up and saw the men and he took the fruit right out into, into the kingdom. Zacchaeus, who became a believer after he went to the house with Jesus. Jesus was about picking fruit says, I came to seek and to save those that were lost. We need to be about the Father's business and our fruit bearing. Would you stand with me?
God, I speak over the people this morning that they would be fruitful in season and out. I speak into their lives and those places that are barren or have been fruitless, and I speak the fruit of the kingdom into them. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would pour your water upon them and that it would refresh those places and bring them to life. I speak life over you in the name of Jesus into into the call that God has placed on your life, that that call would be the most fruitful it has ever been, that what you're putting your hands to and the things that you're doing would prosper and be successful to bring the glory to the kingdom. God, I'm asking for the impossible in each person's lives. I'm asking God that you would multiply the seed to the sower this morning. That more people would come into the kingdom with this group of people than we've ever seen. Ten thousands upon a hundred thousands of people. We are asking God for salvation for the lost. That our whole companies would get saved. Our whole households would be saved. We're asking this morning, God, for all of Walworth County. I ask you, God, that you would bring salvation to every person in Walworth County. That everyone would know the Lord. God, we ask that that all of Wisconsin would be saved. That not one would be lost, God. That each would come into the full knowledge of Christ Jesus. God, I'm asking that you would bring salvation into every business and every every place in, in our nation, God. God, it's not impossible for you to reach millions. And so, God, I'm asking for the greatest harvest we've ever seen, where none of the buildings in America have enough room to to hold the capacity of those coming to Jesus. God, we are crying out for people's hearts to be transformed, that those that are in darkness would become to light, that you would cause our fruit to be so, um, so rich that people would be drawn to you, Jesus. God, call us into a season that that it is overwhelmingly and continually fruitful. And I rebuke the devourer off of you. That the enemy cannot lie to you or deceive you. And I rebuke the curse that's been spoken over you. That you won't be anything. I just speak life over you. In the name of Jesus, that there would be such a season that that is so fruitful that you would even stand in awe. I cannot believe what God has done. God, I ask that our conversation would shift in the atmosphere, that we would go after impossibilities. God, we just thank you. We thank you that, that you are able and that you made a way for him who believes. So we choose to believe you. This morning, maybe just say that. I just choose to believe you, God, whatever it is, whatever that is, I'm gonna choose to believe God. We do, we just choose to believe you, God. And we thank you, God. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I just thank you, God. I just want to encourage you with this last thought. 
I've been really asking the Lord um, in my conversation with him personally about the gifts that he's put inside of me. And um, in that, I've been asking about the prophetic voice that I carry, that God would use it in my writing and I would write prophetically and that God would be upon that in, in ways I've never seen before. And so I've been trying to go after something that even I don't necessarily have a frame for. And when we were in Colorado and the books, my latest book that I released came, we, my mom brought it to us. And my children and I, we prayed over the books. And it moved me so much because God moved on Jubilee when she prayed. And she put her hand on the box. And a lot of times our children can pray very simplistically like, bless the food, amen. You know? And she prayed. She's like, God, I just ask that everyone that reads the book would get a prophetic word from you or a word from God. And I started crying. I was like, God, that's my heart. And she just prayed my heart. And so prayer is powerful. I think what God can do in the midst of you when you pray, you shouldn't take it lightly. It is the greatest conversation you could ever have in your life. And God is listening and he loves to speak to you. And he'll speak to you in ways and and in in areas that you've never experienced before. Just start having a conversation with him. Because he says, call to me and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Isn't that amazing? And this morning we get to participate in one of the greatest and most exciting things, baptism. So Pastor Mike. Would those getting baptized get ready? You can sit down. This is an exciting moment. We have three people wanting to get baptized this morning. Isn't that exciting? It's amazing. And this is an important moment in their life. With those that are getting baptized, come up. 